get ready to have your questions about sexual health answered. This week's episode is an interview that I gave to Chekohako Miyagi for Power 98.7. We spoke all about sexual health. That includes sexual health concerns, rights, safer sex, pregnancy, menstruation, and so much more. And if you find that you had a burning question that wasn't covered on this episode, please reach out to me at In Bed with Lisa. I would love to hear from you. So whether this is your first time here or you've been here before, welcome. I'm Lisa Welsh. This is In Bed with Lisa. And you're in the right place for conversations to help you access more pleasure in your life and to have more fun in bed because life is too short for mediocre sex. And if you find that you had a burning question that wasn't covered on this episode, please reach out to me at In Bed with Lisa. I would love to hear from you. Let's dive in. This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Hesh Brown says, I learned a lot. I didn't know sex could attract such an attendance when he went to the sex expo. Thank you for that. He even took a picture of the actual band of the sex expo. It was fun and can't wait on the last topic of the week. (laughs) Okay, Hesh Brown. Okay, so Hesh Brown is letting you know already, Power listener, that we are going to be speaking about sex and pleasure, well, to a sex and pleasure educator, Lisa Wealth. It was Sexual Health Week between the 10th of October and the 16th of October. Of course, that then meaning that it ends today. And just to give you a bit of a background about Lisa, she helps banish shame, build self-worth and develop confidence in and out of the bedroom. Lisa has read stacks of books on human sexuality, completed many hours of sex-based training and tried loads of things in bed, all in the name of enhanced sex research. Okay, Lisa. All right. And her handle is in bed with Lisa. She's quite unique. She's a busy married mom with body image issues, a tumultuous relationship with sexual shame, and an insatiable desire to put everyone else first. Lisa has faked orgasms for years. <laughs> wow, Lisa. Shall I just leave it right there? Good evening to you. Very well. How are you? I'm great. What an introduction. What an, I mean, what an intro. A whole thing of faking <laughs> orgasms and that you never imagined actually looking forward to having sex. Talk to us just a little about your experience when it comes to sexual health and to sex, really. Well, this is it. My my personal experience was that it just wasn't what I thought it should be. I heard about all of these amazing orgasms that people were experiencing, and that just wasn't my reality. So I made it my mission to learn really what it was all about. And I now see how much it brings to life and it brings to a relationship. And so that's why I've made it my mission to help other people to destigmatize and demystify sex as well. Mm. Now, Sexual Health Week, of course, would also speak about, you know, the consent when it Mm. comes to sex. Yeah. Consent is essential. Consent is a very big part of sexual health awareness. I'm so glad you brought that up. Mm. And essentially, consent is not only not saying, you know, not only somebody saying no, they don't, you know, having the right to say no, but actually looking for an enthusiastic yes from everybody who's taking part. And it also, it, like, it's so important because without that ability to say no, that so many of us are people pleasers, if we can't say no in other areas of our life, then we struggle to say no in the bedroom. So it's building that power of communication, building confidence and learning that you're allowed to say no at any time, even if you've already started, even if you've done it before, 
you are allowed to say no at any time without any negative consequences. Like that is what consent should really look like. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we often overlook. It's important in all sexual activities. What should we be learning or what should we have learned within this particular week of Sexual Health Week? Mm. Sexual Health Week, I suppose it is trying to raise awareness of the importance of taking our sexual health as seriously as we take any other aspect of our health. And also letting us know that everybody deserves a great sex life. Everybody, whether they have chronic health conditions, other health concerns or disabilities, everybody is entitled to a great sex life. And finally, the awareness that proper, accurate sexual health education and well-being information should be accessible to all of us. Like real truth. We all need to be given this accurate education. So Mm. Sexual Health Week is a great time to just remind us about that. Mm. So then what are some of the sexual health services we should be receiving and where can we get these services? Yeah, the right word you said is should. Because we should have access to free sexual health services in South Africa, right? Mm. Everybody, regardless of nationality, regardless of gender, we should have the right to take sexual and reproductive health services. And that includes advice on contraception, condoms, menstrual health, maternal health. And so at government clinics and hospitals, you can access free sexual health care. That includes HIV screening, some STI tests, but that is really only if you're showing symptoms. It can be difficult to actually find affordable and comprehensive sexual health screening. And actually in preparation to this, I asked one of my friends who she is a Cape Town-based sex consent educator. And her, her name is Miss Kitten and along with her colleague Dandelion, they've done a lot of research and came up with like a resource of places where we can find private sexual health care that is more affordable. So we have Mary Stoke. Consent Med, and also there's a platform called My Sexual Health, and they have the comprehensive and credible sexual health providers. So there are different levels of care that we can get. So, so there are public services available and there are private services available, but it is our right for people in South Africa to access free sexual health services. So yeah, that is, that is something that we're all entitled to. Mm. There's also the issue of being confident, you know, walking into the public, as you've mentioned, some of the public clinics and healthcare facilities with the confidence when you are needing some form Mm. of sexual health. How can we ensure that we walk in there, be confident, tell them what we need and we move forward? Yeah, I mean, that is a big question and it's, it's normal to feel some kind of embarrassment and shame, but these medical health providers have seen it all. They are there to help us. And there's no more shame that should be felt around a sexual health condition than any other health condition. And take into account as well that it's an offense to disclose patient's information. Like it's really, we're protected by confidentiality and the professionalism. So there's no need to feel ashamed. There's so many different reasons why we might need to go and have a sexual health checkup. Greening, HIV checks or treatment, birth control, erectile dysfunction, sexual pain. Like these are things that we don't have to live with and don't have to just put up with. There are so many solutions and treatments available that go and see somebody, go and get sexual health advice if you're feeling like things aren't right, if you're experiencing any discomfort or pain or anything has changed, then go and get the help that you need. And I mean, some people might be thinking, Lisa, that we're only speaking about females here, about the woman going to get sexual mm. health. And that's not, that's not it. I mean, even the men need to go get some kind of sexual health and make sure that everything is fine with them. 
Absolutely. Yeah. These same, obviously not the cystic, but there is breathing and the health checks and, and also sexual health conditions that can impact men, delayed ejaculation, erectile dysfunction. There's so many different things. And, you know, obviously also STI checks. Yeah, men absolutely require all genders are, you know, should be accessing sexual health care. Why is it that speaking about sex is so taboo still? Why is it such a taboo topic or conversation to have? Oh my goodness, it is such a taboo. And it is still being censored wildly online. Mm. It's, It's something that, you know, this isn't just something that South Africa is dealing with. The whole world still finds sex a huge taboo and there's a, such fear of speaking openly there's such fear of giving accurate sex education to kids even because I think there's this fear that if we tell young people exactly the truth and give them accurate sexual health education there's this fear that we're going to encourage sexual activity and encourage them to start having sex sooner but actually studies show the opposite so what we need is a non-judgmental and honest conversations about sex, age-appropriate conversations, and start from a young age. And then things like this platform, like you opening up this conversation, things like Sexual Health Week and World Sexual Health Day, there's so many different things that are starting to open up the conversation, but it's still there's still a lot of fear and shame around it. So we just need to keep on having those conversations. I'm glad you mentioned the issue of age, because at which age should we start having conversations with our children about sex? Mm. So it really depends on the child, but don't leave it to TikTok. (laughs) Don't leave it to TikTok to teach your kids. Really, your children will probably start asking questions because, you know, we're speaking about our bodies. We're speaking about interesting things like where do children come from, you know? Mm. So these conversations do naturally come. So let the child lead when they're younger. Right. Look out for misconceptions that they've come up with and correct them with age appropriate information. You don't need to sit down and tell them everything straight away. But as it comes up naturally in conversation, then you can start to give them accurate information. Like tell them the real medical name for their genitals, for example. That's a really great tool to safeguard them as well. If they know the accurate name for their genitals, then it can help them to speak up if something happens, for example, if someone crossed the boundary with them. So don't. Don't fear being honest with your children in an age-appropriate way. Mm. So how then can we, you know, educate ourselves better around sexual health matters and, of course, be able to give also the right information to some of our peers? Mm. So there are some great resources that can help us to get medically accurate, like age-appropriate and shame-free information. There are some, some wonderful resources online. My Sexual Health that I mentioned earlier, they actually do a free webinar every month with a medical health professional. You can just sign up and every single month they do like an hour-long conversation. Mary Stopes also is a great source of information. There are some wonderful things. In fact, in Cape Town the next week, there's going to be a sexual health conference, a Southern African sexual health conference. So these conversations are happening and there are some great sources of information. So look out and make sure that you're getting your information from somebody who is qualified to give you that, you know, and, and if it's a reputable source, then, then, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely worth checking, checking the sources. And just thinking before you read something that maybe sounds a little bit questionable or you hear a rumor, like even my son was told just a couple of years ago by a figure or an authority figure in his school that, like, for example, wet dreams were, you know, you only had wet dreams if you'd watched porn, which is completely inaccurate. 
and, you know, concerned my child. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it's such a shame that even in this day and age, this is the kind of information that people are giving. So it is, it's, it's, these kind of myths are, are widespread. So do your research, educate yourself. There are wonderful books around that can help. There are even, there's even wonderful shows on Netflix, you know, that are medically accurate information. So the information is out there. Don't just take things at face value. Mm. So let's then speak about, you know, how we can take care of ourselves sexually in certain ways, right? Let's start Mm. with our menstrual cycles. How can we Mm. keep healthy during our menstrual cycles? Yeah, this is a good one. So making sure that you have access and and not only you, but like this is something that we can all, you know, work towards ending period poverty in this country. Making sure that women, girls and people who menstruate have access to facilities have access to sanitary. There's places like the Mina Foundation, which have cup, menstrual cup, which are reusable. And then you have the Menstruation Foundation, which provides schoolgirls with sanitary towels. So just ending the stigma around menstruation, right? There's, that it's not dirty, that there's no reason to, to think that you're dirty or that anybody who's menstruating is dirty. And, and working with these charities to help get sanitary products out to the people that need them because... So many girls are missing school every single month. So learning that you can, through the clinics that I mentioned earlier, you can get menstrual health support and, and find ways to access sanitary products because they can be incredibly expensive, but there are charities available that are helping people to get, to get what they need. Mm. Now, we do know as well that, you know, it's very easy to prevent sexually transmitted diseases. But mm. maybe just speak to us about the best ways to do so and how to use contraceptives, the best way of using contraceptives. Mm. So this, I'm not a doctor, so this isn't mm. medical advice. But So infections are acquired through sexual contact, which is through unprotected sex, as we know. So that's vaginal anal penetration, but also oral sex does carry risk. So learn the correct use of a condom. Learn how to use it correctly, because just putting it on the wrong way around, you know, putting it accidentally the wrong way up, can mean that that condom is now useless. Condoms are freely available in this country. So get them, learn how to use them properly. And also with oral, consider making a dental dam, right? That is where you can cut the condom and use it, like kind of cut it and open it up so that you use it as a barrier between the mouth and the genital. You can also buy dental dams, but you can make them with a condom as well. So Google that, how to make a dental dam with a condom. So that's just forming a barrier to protect you from, from body fluid, essentially. Mm. And there's also vaccinations available, depending on your specific circumstances, but for HPV and for contraception, I would definitely say speak to your medical health provider. There are lots of different forms of contraception, but that would depend on each person's individual circumstances. Mm. Let's talk about sex and intimacy during pregnancy. Oh, okay. Mm. How's that possible? Yeah. It is possible. This is a great question. And so many people are worried about having sex while they're pregnant. But if the pregnancy is healthy and normal and you've had no history of problems and if your midwife or your doctor is happy, there's no reason that you shouldn't be having sex throughout your whole pregnancy as long as you're comfortable and as long as you're maybe choosing positions that are more comfortable because the baby is safe and separate from the vagina. The baby is in the uterus, which is protected by the uterine walls, muscular walls. It's in an amniotic sac of fluid and there's also a mucus plug, which is like at the end of the vagina. So there's no way the penis can get near the baby. The the baby is safe, has no idea what's happening. And in fact, 
orgasms could also, there's some studies that show there could be a benefit to having orgasms to help protect, help prepare for birth as well. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be having sex. If you're with a new partner and you don't know their STI status, then it's recommended to use a barrier method like a condom, but otherwise, yeah, go for it. If you're happy, if you want it, if it feels comfortable, then go for it. Mm. Now on Twitter, Lishokhanola is asking, good evening, Sikho, please ask your guest if it's true that masturbation men can decrease their sexual ability or sex drive. Mm. I would say that is not true. Masturbation is healthy and something that everybody should feel comfortable doing because it's your own body. The one thing that I would mention though, and this goes to all genitals, all genders, that sometimes if you have a specific technique for masturbation that is quite intense and particular, right, for example, penis owners sometimes can have quite a tight grip and a very fast action that they get accustomed to. And then it can be difficult to enjoy sex and penetration, which doesn't replicate that same action. So that's just something that we can become accustomed to. Vulva owners can also become accustomed to one particular form of masturbation. And all that you would need to do then is mix up the stimulation, like to resensitize yourself. So you're not getting, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with masturbation and there's no, you know, you can't do too much of it unless it's impacting your life. So I would definitely say go for it, but increase the amount of different forms of stimulation that you're using so that you can still enjoy pleasure with your partner as well. So what are some of the things that we can or should be doing before and after sex? So before sex, I would say definitely do not douche. So douching is when you like put water inside the vagina. And the reason that people do this is because there's this stigma around vaginas that we think they are smelly or gross or they taste funny. And we also feel really like embarrassed about it and creeped out. But the vagina does not need to be clean. So the vagina is the tunnel bit, the inside bit. That is self-cleaning and it has its very own delicate ecosystem. It doesn't need to be cleaned. It doesn't need anything in it. Do not put water in it. The vulva, just while we're on the subject of cleaning, the vulva is the outside bit and that can be cleaned with water or very gentle soap. But so don't douche. <laughs> don't put water in the vagina. Mm. And after sex, always we after sex. You may have heard people say this, but the reason is the urethra is a very short like the, the exit part of the urethra is in the vulva and it, it can easily get bacteria inside it during penetration and during any kind of, you know, if there's, if there's hands or lube or anything happening, sweat. So always pee afterwards because it just flushes out the urethra and reduces any chance of bacteria happening and, you know, getting in places you don't want it to. Another thing before sex, use lube. I think lube is a fabulous tool that people overlook. Because again, we have stigma, like if you need lube, then does that mean your vagina's dry? But lube is such a great sex toy that it increases sensitivity, it reduces friction, it can remove discomfort. And something like eight or nine out of 10 vulva owners, so it actually enhances their pleasure. So lube, I think water-based lube, it's a fabulous thing to add before sex. Mm. And, you know, the issue, of course, of enjoying sex as well how can we ensure besides using lube that we thoroughly are actually enjoying sex Mm, great question because pleasure is essential it is so important and actually a sex positive and pleasure-based approach to sexual health has been proven increase the likelihood of safer sex i just wanted to mention that that's a really important 
and something that's only recently coming to light. The World Association for Sexual Health recently launched their pleasure declaration, which talks about the importance of pleasure. So we can enhance our pleasure by learning what we like, and that is through self-pleasure, masturbation, like using your brain, giving yourself time to think about the things that turn you on, and learning to communicate with our partner. So that's talking about consent, feeling safe enough to say no at any point, like we mentioned earlier. Being in a relationship where you feel like you can say, actually, no, I don't want that right now, or no, I'm not ready for penetration right now. Because often, and I'm talking about vulva owners now, but often we allow penetration before we're fully aroused, and that can actually be uncomfortable, and it's going to be unlikely that you experience pleasure. So slowing down and making sure there's plenty of foreplay, being able to communicate and let yourself express your desires, like letting yourself express authentically. Like, so that means breathing, however, comes naturally instead of breathing like you think you should, like they do in the movies. (laughs) So stopping performing, acting like you think you're supposed to and worrying about how you look and instead getting into your body and tuning into the sensations and feeling what actually feels good and building the courage. Now, this takes a long time. It can take a lifetime, really, of discovery. But slowly building the courage to to do the things that feel good to you. Because when you learn, like, for example, a masturbation technique that feels wonderful, then maybe during penetration with your partner, you can angle yourself in the right way or you can touch your clitoris during intercourse. Like there's lots of little things, small enhancements that you can do to really heighten the pleasure. Mm. And then the issue, of course, I mean, you spoke about, you know, ensuring that you are actually ready for the penetration. Mm. How should we, is it, is, is, is it really a mindset thing? It's actually a physiological thing. I mean, it is also a mind, you could say a mindset thing because it can be that we're kind of up in our heads and we're worrying about all of the things we've got to do and all of that. But often we think that women have low libido. I'm going to generalize it because that's often what we hear. Women have low libido. But actually, it's often that they have a responsive libido rather than a spontaneous libido. So again, generalizing, men often are spontaneously horny. They just feel turned on. But for women, they have to have something to respond to, the majority anyway. And that means that they might start to feel turned on by a bit of kissing and hugging and touching. And so then it's not, that is a physiological response. It's not a mindset thing, right? Mm. It just means that they need time to start to warm up. They've got, they're on a different timeline. <laughs> they're just taking time, learning techniques. We can literally learn techniques to pleasure these specific genitals that we have. It's not something that we're just born knowing what to do. And we don't get taught it at school. We don't talk about it with our friends. The best way to learn is to explore your own body and to explore your partner's body with, with patience and loving presence, right? Mm. That is how we can start to learn what feels good. And then when we can communicate that, that's when all of the good things start to come together. So then when you learn what you need in order for your vagina to feel soft and ready and open for penetration, that is when penetration is going to feel pleasurable. And so it's it's taking all of the focus away from penetration and realizing that everybody's pleasure is important. That means foreplay is really important, just as much as penetration. And having sex not just be putting a penis in a vagina and then the penis ejaculates and it's all over. And then we wonder why women could like live without sex. They just, you know, they think, oh, can't be bothered because it doesn't feel great. (laughs) 
<laughs> so how do we then spice things up in the bedroom? There's many ways. Lowering down is really important. And like giving ourselves time to like explore the things that turn us on. Like, so I love, for this reason, I love things like erotic audio. So there's, there's a company called Bloom, Bloom Erotic Stories, and that you can sign up for free online and they have like audio stories. But what I like about them is that you can scroll through all of the different genres of story and see what kind of piques your curiosity. Like, what do you think? Oh, that sounds interesting. And like, let yourself listen to it. Like, that's a safe way to start to like discover your fantasies. And then you can bring those fantasies into the bedroom. You don't have to act them out, but you can, you can start things like role play or just bringing your mind online. By bringing your mind online, you can access this whole erotic world that, you know, we, you can't even believe the richness that your sex life could actually bring to your life. If you let it, it's like an adult playground. If you let it, if it moves beyond that chore, you know, the thing you just have to do that never brings you pleasure. If you actually create this playground that you let yourself, you know, become creative and explore the depths of your mind, then wow, that is how you can spice things up for life. Sure. So is there anything else that you think we should know? I mean, there's things like candles and massages and that type of thing. Oh, there are so many things. And I just have to tell you, I just wrote an ebook this month, a free ebook, and it's called The A to Z of Fun Sex. <laughs> It has literally 26 fun sex ideas. Cute. So, and it starts with A is anal and then anal play that some people absolutely love. And Z is zappers, which is using electro play toys. And you can imagine there's all kinds of things in between. I could talk to you all night about fun sex ideas, but people can find that on my website if they're like, it's completely free to download. Now you have to give us that website. <laughs> it is inbedwithlisa.com, inbedwithlisa.com. Lisa, I have to ask, was there any specific reason that you chose that name or you're just like, this is the best name for what to do? <laughs> well, because it's a little bit cheeky and I thought it would get a little bit of attention and make people think, what does she mean? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask another question. Do you have children? Go ahead. I do. I actually have three teenage sons. And what are the conversations that you have with them and how do they receive you being a sex and pleasure educator? They think it's very funny and sometimes they think it's totally embarrassing. But most of the time they're very supportive and they are curious and they know that they can have open conversations with me. They bring their questions to me and yeah, we have some great dinner table conversations, all age appropriate. But yeah, I'm very proud that they will they will be able to be accurate sources of knowledge for their peers. Yeah. Just give us that website once more. InBedWithLisa.com Lisa Welsh, Lisa <laughs> Welsh Sex and Pleasure That's Educator. Right. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you. Check out my It's wonderful to chat to you today. Thank you. I'll definitely be checking out Lisa's website. <laughs> to get that ebook that she was speaking about. So that's the conversation that we had all around Sexual Health Week, which ended today, started on October the 10th. I really hope that you enjoyed this interview. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was. And if there's something you'd love me to cover or somebody you would like me to interview, let me know. I want to hear from you. 
And before I go, if you want even more free educational content, then head over to my website, inbedwithlisa.com forward slash guide, and you can grab my free ebook called The A to Z of Fun Sex, full of ideas to help you have more fun in bed. Thank you so much for sticking around, and I'll see you next time.